I don't want you showing up at the wrong night. 6.30 Wednesday night, we're going to have Holy Spirit Encounter Nights. Um, this is something that um, God put on my heart to do a while ago, and we've been praying that we would get the timing right for this. And so we just believe that this is the time that we are to do it. We're to do it now, and we're going to be transitioning to these Holy Spirit Encounter Nights. Uh, you can just expect a whole lot more of what God has already begun to do here at Redeeming Love. Uh, we've seen healings being poured out. Uh, we've seen prophecies. We've seen uh, all kinds of manifestations in the Spirit. And so come Wednesday night expecting these, these things to happen and more. Um, I'm just going to stop just for a moment. I'm going to make a couple testimonies. Uh, we had Nancy testify about her kidneys that were healed couple weeks ago, 20 years, 20 plus years, she's dealt with kidney issues, completely and totally healed. The doctor said the scans were completely clean, completely clean. When we did that, I asked for people who needed healing to stand up all across the sanctuary. Right over here, um, Mark stood up. And then we prayed for people. The body prayed for people. And I went around just to see what was going on. When I got to Mark, Mark was dripping with sweat from the Holy Spirit that was all over him. He had warts on his hand that he wasn't able to get rid of. He tried for a year and a half to two years to try and get rid of these warts. He woke up the one morning. They were completely gone. He had a mole. He also had a mole on the side of his head that he had since birth. And it had changed a little bit. And he made an appointment with the dermatologist to have it looked at. It was completely gone. It was completely gone. It's just completely gone. Last week, we got together for cleanup day. Paul came out. Paul said, hey, listen, pray for me. We prayed for him. The, the, the issue is resolved. It's healed. It's better. It's gone. It just keeps happening. This just keeps happening. Healing just keeps happening. So come expecting. We'll pray for you today. You need healing today. We'll pray today. Bring someone else who needs healing on, on Wednesday. Get them here. Drag them here bribe them to get them here, buy them coffee to get them here, whatever it takes, take them out to dinner to get them here, get them here, we'll pray. Amen? Hey, this is good stuff. All right. Hey, uh, Compass Care Walk for Life was yesterday. You guys showed up. Uh, we were all out there. We had a great time. Thank you for so many of you who came. Uh, also, thank you to all of those of you who helped with the cleanup day. What a great, great, great time we had doing that two weeks ago. Let's grab coffee. Uh, so today was supposed to be, uh, I think I might have even told you, today was going to be the day with, that I had that same type of a, a, a discussion with Stacy last week. We were supposed to have the discussion with Timothy's today. Um, as you may know, uh, many people are not feeling well. They're under the weather. They're, they're sick. And so uh, we scratched that and we, we just wrote it. We just said, hey, we got another Let's Grab Coffee series. We're going to jump into this. And today we're going to talk about coffee with Jesus. We need to have coffee with, our, with all of those people in our discipleship model, but we also need to have coffee with Jesus. We need to have coffee with Jesus. There's an old country song, and I say old because it was a, some people are already laughing, you know where I'm going with this. There's an old country song, and I say old because it was a country song when I used to listen to country, and that was a long time ago. I haven't listened to country music in a while. And the country song goes... If I could grab a beer with Jesus, you can. Would he drink beer? That's a whole other discussion for another day. But let's just substitute beer and say coffee. You can grab coffee with Jesus. You can do it. Guys, I do it. I do it almost every single morning. I, I take, I pour myself a cup of coffee, I go and I sit in my chair, and I have 
coffee with Jesus. I fellowship with him. He fellowships with me. I share my heart with him, and I listen. I tune my ear to listen to what he might say to me. And this is how we have coffee with Jesus. And these are the moments, guys, 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 church. (laughs) These are the moments where Jesus ministers to your soul. These are the moments where Jesus heals you, where Jesus touches you, where Jesus creates on the inside of you. Jesus can do creative works on the inside of you day by day, and he wants to. But do we come to the point where we're willing to surrender to him? We all can write a list, I'm sure, of things that have happened to us. Tragedies that have happened to us, people that have treated us wrong, people that have offended us, things that didn't go the way that we thought that they would go. We could make a list. The list would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And you'd be writing down three more things right now just because of what I'm saying. And we can choose to either live in that place where we live with those hurts, where we live with those fears, where we live with those offenses, or we can bring those things to Jesus and let him give us the victory over them. It's in this place where we're having coffee with Jesus that he brings healing for our soul. He speaks words that we don't find other places. I can't tell you the number of times that I've read my Bible. I don't know. I have 17 of them. I've kept them all so, since the first one that I've ever had. I had one that split right in half, broke right down the seam. It's in two pieces. Somebody that I know actually glued it back together for me. Praise God. I've got, I think it's 17. I kept them all. I, and I've read them all. And I've read them all many times. And it's just, I, every morning I sit with Jesus. I read something new. I find something new. There's always something new. He's always got something new to show me. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's, he's won the battle before we start. He is the champion. You know what? I've been telling, uh, I told this to the worship team. I don't know how this came up. And then I told the men's group, and I told somebody else, and so I might as well tell everybody else. Because half of you know anyways. When David went to the river, when David was fighting Goliath, and David went to the river, it says that he reached into the stream and he picked up five smooth stones. Now, some of you know the answer, so don't give it away. Why did he pick up five smooth stones? It wasn't because he needed five shots. He didn't have time for five shots. He only had time for one shot. There were four other giants on the battlefield that day. It was by faith that he grabbed five stones, not by fear that he'd miss. It was by faith he was going to take out all five giants. He killed Goliath and everyone else scattered. David was ready to go to town. He's like, I'm taking them all. If we read, if we read, so he didn't take five stones because he needed five shots. He only needed one, but there were other giants on the field, and he was going to take them all down because that's who God is. He's a God who takes it all down. He's a God who shows up. He is the champion. He's won the battle before we've gone. And if we read through 2 Samuel, I think it's in chapter 23 or 24, we read of David's associates who would kill those other four giants. I believe two of which were uh, Goliath's brothers and two were Goliath's sons. Who killed the other giants? David's associates. If you want to be a giant killer, start to hang around a giant killer. 
We got a couple giant killers in the room with us here today. You want to start killing giants? Just start hanging around a giant killer. <laughs> All right. That was free. That didn't even play into what we're talking about today. Other than the fact that we need to have coffee with Jesus. We need to spend this time with him. And when we're there, when we're there, we learn certain things. And so this morning, I am going to endeavor to try to share with you just a few of the things that I have learned from Jesus during my own personal coffee time with him over the past 30 years. There's the model. We've talked about the model. I just had that in there because it was in there. So there you go. We're not going to talk about that much today. Here's number one. The first thing that I learned is how to receive God's love. Song of Solomon 8, 6 says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Song of Solomon is this crazy love story between Solomon and the Shulamite woman who would be his wife. But it's, a, it's an allegory of the love between God and us. And God loves us with an unquenchable love. God's love can't be stopped. God's love is more extraordinary than anything that we can imagine, anything that we can taste, anything that we can put forth. We know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, right? Too often we glance over that and we're just like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only No, God loved. What does it mean that God loves you? We need to take and we need to stop and we need to learn to receive God's love. We feel we don't deserve God's love. You don't get loved because you deserve it. You don't get loved by God because you deserve it. We feel like we have to earn God's love. You can't earn God's love. You could be the best person in the world. You still don't deserve God's love. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He gives it away for free. We need to position ourselves to receive the love of God. We need to position ourselves to receive the love of God, to let God's love into our heart. As men, specifically, we can have a hard time with this. Women can struggle with it too, but men specifically, we can struggle with this. I don't need, I don't need love. Yes, you do. I'm fine. No, you're not. God's love changes us. God's love, can I get an amen? God's love changes us. It transforms us. When, God lo when God's love impacts our heart, we become new. We are no longer the same person. But we have to go and spend that time with God. We need to have that coffee time with Jesus to allow God's love to penetrate our heart to go into the dark places, the deep places, the hidden places, the places where we won't even shine a light ourselves and look. We need to go to those places and let God's love shine there and we'll get the healing that we need. 
You know, we talk all the time here, and it's a good thing that we give testimony of the healing power of God that's moving in the room. The healing power of God is moving here in the room. It's been moving since uh, sometime in 2019. I've been keeping track. We've had all of these different things happen. I'm, I'm stoked, guys. I'm just, I, I can't, I don't know that I can be much more excited without, you know, like literally shaking. But it's even better than that. God doesn't just heal physically. God heals emotionally. God heals emotionally. So many of us, there's so many of you out here, you need emotional healing. Someone did something, you've, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, and you never got over it. Well, God wants you to be healed, and he doesn't want you to live in a response to something that someone did to you years ago, months ago. So I don't care how long ago it was, or, or if it would just happen yesterday. God doesn't want you to live in a place like that. God wants you to live healed from that thing. If we have unforgiveness towards someone who did something to us, we live in subjection to that person, whether they know it or not. That's what unforgiveness does in our life. But if we, even if we move to forgiveness, but we don't get healing in that thing, whatever it is, then we still live in a place where we're not living God's best. We're not living the kingdom life that Jesus called us to. We're not living in peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. We need to come to a place where we allow God to heal us for those, those things that happened, those emotional things that happened. God loves us because of who he is. We can't, this, I can't, I can't, I can't begin to stress how important it is that we understand this. God loves us because of who he is. It's because of who he is. It's not because of who you are, although you are special to him. You are his creation. You are special, and you don't have to do anything. But he loves because it's an expression of who he is. That is who you are. That's who he is. It's what he does. He just loves. He can't help himself. He, he literally can't help himself to love you. The promiscuous love of Jesus. He loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved us in, his, in our deepest, darkest, worst, the most disgusting place that we were. He loved us there. He loved us then. He's never stopped loving us. He'll never stop loving us. There's nothing that we can do to remove ourselves from the love of God. There's nothing that we can do to cause God to love us anymore. All we need to do is just open up our heart and receive the love that God gives us. I don't know, guys. I, 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 I struggle with this. I reach for it. I, I, I Daily, I'm like, God, I need more of your love. God, I need more of your love. I'm a lover. I shared this a couple weeks ago. My, my job's a pastor, but who I am, what's my purpose? My purpose is that I'm a lover of God. I'm, I was made to love God. <laughs> There's another country song. We're going to go into some country songs today, I guess. There's another country song, and the country song goes, um, if I could make a living out of loving you, I'd be a millionaire in a week or two. I'd be doing what I love and loving what I do if I can make a living out of loving you. And, <laughs> yes, country songs. Country songs are great. You know, with the, 
onset of technology, it, there's only a, a matter of time before there's a country song before, where the, the guy's truck leaves him. Because <laughs> this is what country songs are mostly. They're sad songs. <laughs> that was funnier than you guys let on. If I could make a living out of loving you, and I remember hearing this song, like, it has to be like 25 years ago. I don't know. Like I, like I said, these are old country songs. I haven't listened in a while. And I was like, man, somehow that song just spoke to me. I'm like, I want to be a lover because it's who I am. I'm, I'm a lover. God made me to be a lover. God made you to be a lover. I'm not saying that you have the same purpose as me. I'm not saying that you're called to be a lover of God the way that I am. But we're all called to receive God's love. And the more, here we go, guys, watch. The more we open ourselves up and the more ability we have to receive God's love in our heart, the more ability we have to love others in return. And, and watch this, part two, the more we open ourselves up and we're able to receive God's love, the more we're able to love God back in return. There's twofold. We get two blessings because of God's love towards us. God loves us. When we receive that love, we can love God back better. And when we receive God's love, we can love others better too. How many of us would, struggle, would, would say that we struggle with loving our brothers and sisters, that we struggle with loving our uh, people at our workplace, that we struggle in loving our enemies. If you struggle in loving someone, go to the lover of your soul and receive love from him. And as you receive love from him, he'll broaden your heart. He'll expand your heart to be able to love others. And you'll be able to do it well. You won't even be tripping over it. It'll be, it'll be joy. You'll have such compassion flowing out of your heart. You're like, I don't know who I am. I know who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. This is the life that God fought for us, won for us, that we might be lovers, that we might love our enemies, that we might love the stranger, that we might love one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, family, friends. Co-workers, the person who annoys you the most. John says we love because he first loved us. His, 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 ability, his, his reality gives us ability. He's a lover. When we have that reality of his love in our life, it gives us the ability to love others well. Our capacity to love is only limited by our capacity to receive. How much can you receive? How big is your jar? I'm going to go get some swimming pools to hold the love of God, and I'm going to swim in it because I want more. It says that we might know the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of the love of God. I don't know, guys, that we'll ever really fully be able to comprehend the love of God, but I'm going to try. And even if in trying I only attain to 1%, it's more than I have right now. Even if I only just get a little bit more tomorrow than I had today, that'll be enough. I need more 
of God's love. I need to be able to receive more of God's love. It's when I have received his love that I'm able to love others well. This is the key. This is one of the keys to the kingdom of life, being able to love well. Glory to God. Another key, and you guys have heard me talk on this time and time and time again. You guys should be tired of hearing it by now. You should be overjoyed to hear it by now. Joy. 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 Joy is an expression of the kingdom. When you have joy in your life, you are literally living from the kingdom reality in your life. James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I said I had 17 Bibles. When I first memorized this, I was reading NIV, so I, I skip back and I quote it from NIV all the time, and that's why there's the confusion. Consider, here's, here's what NIV says. Consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance may, must have its full work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking no good thing. Trials come to drive us closer to God. When a trial comes in your life, it has the possibility to do one of two things. It's going to drive you closer to God or it's going to drive you away from God. We see this in the story of Jonah. He got a message from God that he was supposed to go and do something. And so he runs from God. And God just kept tracking him down. God just kept hunting him down. God knew his address. He knew his zip code. He knew where he was going. He knew the ship he was on. He knew his plane number. He knew his flight number. He knew the time of arrival. He knew the time of departure. God's all over that. He's like, where are you going? What are you doing? Trials were, are designed to drive us into the love of God, into the heart of God. But what happens is we give up. We give up the fight and we're like, I'm out of here. This is too hard. No, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It develops this perseverance in us. My faith is going to grow because of the trial that I'm walking through. Man, there's nothing more precious than your faith. There's nothing more precious than your faith. Faith, 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 faith. Trials have the possibility, if we allow it to, to grow our faith. But we have to stay with it. We have to see it through. We have to see it through. We have to persevere. If we can view the events of, of if we can view the events that transpire on a daily basis in the light of eternity we'll be watching a different movie. If we view the events that happen on a daily basis on it, in the light of eternity, then we're going to watch a different movie. right? Because if it's all about me and it's all about here and it's all about now and it's all about today, well, that trial just took up all of the movie. But if I take and I add eternity to whatever it is that happened today, suddenly whatever happened today becomes insignificant in the context of forever and ever 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 and ever. Yeah. 
it becomes a totally different story. It's like that little one scene in a movie where we're like, why did they even put that in there? That made no sense. They should have just cut that. It would have been a lot, the movie would have been a lot better. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Joy. Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is an expression of the kingdom. Joy is an expression of just living with God. When, when we live in faith, joy is the outcome. When we live in faith, joy is the outcome. Faith is the expectation of something good. How many of us have faith in God? God is good. How many have faith that God's going to do something in your life? Amen. God is going to do something good in your life. He's not going to do something bad in your life. Faith is the expectation of something good. How many of you have faith that you're going to go to heaven? Hopefully everybody in this room. If not, we've got a little question for you at the end. How many of you have faith that you're going to go to heaven? Heaven's good, right? We have this expectation of something good. Faith is the expectation of something good. You can't live a life of faith of always expecting good, good, good. What's going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to be good. What's going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to be good. I don't, what's going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to be good. Good, good, good. It's going to be good. And then be like, man, bah humbug. No. When you live a life of faith, continually expecting good, you're going to be joyful. It is a natural end result of living in faith. <sighs> Fear is the opposite. Fear is the expectation that something bad is going to happen. Right? You hear about something, and suddenly you're like, oh, no. That's fear. You hear about something, and you're like, God's going to work it out. God's going to turn this around for good. Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good for those who, call, who love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen? Here's the good news, guys. It's God's joy. It's his. I get to live in it, and it's not even mine. I said a couple weeks ago, I think, I don't know, I think it was on Easter, I said, I'm the happiest person I know. It's because of God's joy. It's not because of anything that I've done. It's not because of anything that I did or I deserve. It's simply because I've figured out how to live in faith and how to live from the kingdom. And I live in this place of joy, this unbelievable, unexplainable, awesome joy. It's God's joy. It's God's joy, and he gives it to me. The joy of your salvation. He gives us the oil of joy for mourning. That's the exchange rate of heaven. We bring him mourning and he gives us joy. He gives us beauty for ashes. Ashes are completely worthless. They're good for nothing. He gives us beauty instead of that. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. It's God's joy. And so when we go and we have coffee with Jesus, pick up some joy. Pick it up. Hey, Jesus, I could really use some joy today. Okay. He's a good God. The Bible tells us, if you keep reading here in James, 
If any of you lacks, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, but let him who asks not doubt, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not that man believe that he will receive anything. I know, it's not up there, but it, it, trust me. If you Just pull up your, open your Bible. Five through seven, eight. Ask God. Ask God. Who of you, being a father, if his son asks him for a fish, a, a bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in heaven not give good gifts to you? You, have, you lack joy? Just go have coffee with Jesus and ask him for some. Hey, Jesus, I'd like some joy today. Just saying. I'll just say this one more thing and then I'll move on. I got so much more to say on joy. Anytime, listen guys, anytime we emphasize the difficulty of obeying God's will above the fruits and the rewards of carrying it out, we take a victim's approach to obedience. Bill Johnson said that. He said it. I want to give him credit. I'm going to say it again. Anytime we emphasize the difficulty of obeying God's will above the rewards and the fruits of carrying it out, of obeying God's will, we take a victim's approach to obedience. Guys, I've got news for you. We're victors. Jesus won the victory for us. We're victorious in Christ. Let us never take a victim's approach to anything. Anything. When we say, oh, it's so hard to follow the rules that God gave us, you know, it's so hard to not sin, it's so hard to pray, it's so hard to read my word. We're literally taking a victim's approach to obedience. I'm a victim. I've got to do this. We should never do that. I get to read my word every day. What a glorious joy. I get to pray. Listen, I actually, I just can't stop praying. I get to worship. I had this, what reason do I have to not worship? I don't, I don't need to look for a reason to worship anymore. I've figured this out. I'm going to let you in on it. I do not need to figure out a reason to worship. There's one reason why I need to worship, and it's because of who God is. God is worthy of my worship. That's the only reason I need. And so if the only reason I need to worship is that God is worthy, then let's worship. And the only thing that will stop me from my worship is if I can find something where I don't need to worship or I can't worship. And right now I'm sharing with you something, so maybe I'm not worshiping, you know, the way that I worship, but you know, maybe it's a different type of worship. I don't need an excuse to worship. I'm just going to worship all the time. This is where the Bible tells us to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Worship always. Worship nonstop. Worship nonstop. Worship nonstop. And then someone plays worship music and they expect me to not dance. Are you kidding me? I, what in the world are you thinking? You're going to put worship music on and then expect me to not move my body in response to the music. I, we, we were having uh, company over. I don't remember who was coming over. 
And, you know, you put background music on. Well, we had put background music on, and it was some worship stuff. And, man, the Holy Spirit was just flowing through the house. And I had to take the worship music off because I couldn't concentrate on cutting the cheese for the little cheese board that we were putting out. I'm like, all right, we got to stop. I got to ta- stop this worship music or else we're never going to get anything done. I mean, may- maybe, God, maybe God will just explode in the room and that would be awesome, probably be better than anything that we're planning. But we have a plan and we really want to kind of try to execute the plan. So let's just, let's just stop the worship music for a minute. Just for a second. We'll go back later. Number three. What did Jesus work out with me in my coffee time? Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not live in fear. Do not live in fear. The most frequently given command in the Bible is do not fear. Do not fear. Matthew 10, 28 through 31. Do not fear those who kill the body and but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, are you not of more value than many sparrows? Do not fear. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Don't live in fear. How do we get there? We get there by trusting God and by living in faith. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm re- I want you to be dead honest with yourself. I want you to be real with yourself. Because I, I can ask this question. You'd be like, yo, I'm good. That won't help. I want you to be real. I want you to take this question. Maybe you take this question. You go think about it for the week. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? Is your trust in God small? Is your trust in God big? What do you trust God with? Do you trust God with your finances? Do you trust God with your family? Do you trust God with your children? Do you trust God with your provision? Do you trust God with your healing? Do you trust God with your victory, with your standing, with your value? Do you trust God? God wants to give good gifts to his children. God has no problem with us being millionaires or billionaires or trillionaires. I don't know if there's any trillionaires in the world. God has no trouble with us having large amounts of money. Do you know how much money God will let you have? The answer is very clear. It's actually very scriptural. He'll let you have as much money as will not replace your trust in him. If an amount of money is going to replace your trust in God, then God won't let you have it. Because he's jealous for you. He's jealously in love with you. And God's jealousy is okay, right? We, we shouldn't be jealous because we don't, we're jealous in bad ways. He's jealous in a good way. He won't let you have something that's going to hurt you or destroy you. How much do you trust him? How much do you trust him?
comes back to trust. First Peter says, cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Trust God. Trust God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. It's who he is. It's what he does. And what he does doesn't depend on whether or not you believe it. It's just who he is. He doesn't change because we think differently. He stays the same. Lastly, do not be anxious. Last thing I really dug out of spending all this coffee time with Jesus, don't worry. Don't worry. It comes back to trust. It's a similar vein, but it's different. Don't worry. Because you could not fear, but still worry. Do not worry. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? All of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord my provider. I will never worry a day in my life about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear or where I'm going to live or how I'm going to go or what's going to be because I know God takes care of me. I have no need to worry in this area. We don't have food in the house to make supper tonight. That's okay, we'll go out to eat. We don't have ABC. That's okay, we'll eat CDGE. I don't know. We're just making this up as we go. Lord, I love the story of, I can't remember his name, ran that orphanage, and uh, they were out of food. He had like a hundred and some kids. They were out of food. And he said, what's his name? Wilk, no, it's not Wilkerson. Uh, we were out of food. He says, all right, we're just going to sit down and pray. Everybody sit down at the table. We've got plates out. We're going to pray. So they sat down. They prayed. There was a knock at the door. Somebody brought them food for dinner that night. I'm like, what? Good stuff. Do not worry. Do not worry. We need to be a people that not worry. Where do we get it? We get it from having coffee with Jesus. Grab a cup of coffee. For me, for me, the best time is first thing in the morning. Before my mind starts ramping up on every other thing. Sometimes I can do it at night, but usually at night I'm kind of tired. Really would rather not be having my coffee time with Jesus. Things kind of get in the way. My thoughts are really scattered. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'd really rather just watch a movie or, you know, Another episode of The Chosen, rewatch them over and over and over again. In the morning, first thing, grab my coffee, sit there, and I actually try to not ask God for my laundry list first thing. It's a habit that I, that I attempt. I'm not always successful at it. Grab my coffee, sit in the chair, sit with Jesus, and just say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? Lord, I'm here for my daily bread today. I love you, God. And I thank you for loving me. God, speak to my heart what I need today, this morning. As I do that, the Lord will put scriptures in my mind. Because like I said, I've read it so much that it's just there. And so I, there's instant recall and God will give me scripture and then he'll give me new explanation that I haven't understood before. 
I've read the same scripture five times and come up with five different explanations, and they're all right. I read a scripture, I, I taught on a scripture one time. I think it was that youth group here. And then the next week I read it, and I was like, I taught on it wrong. And God's like, no, it's both. And I was like, glory to God. <laughs> He'll share a scripture with me. And then I'll just be like, what do you have to say about that, Lord? Because I know what I think, but oftentimes there's a lot more than what I think. All of scripture is to point us back to him. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find life, but they are that which point to me. And so as we read the scriptures, it's not about just reading the scriptures. It's not just about following the manual, although that's good. It's about discovering who Jesus is. Because when we discover who Jesus is, man, we get expanded. Our heart gets expanded. Our heart grows. Suddenly we have capacity to love people that we, never, we didn't have before. Suddenly we have joy that we didn't have before. Suddenly we're not fear, fearful even when we should be afraid. The whole world melting down around us and we're like, guys, why are you upset? What are you all worried about? How are you not worried? I've got Jesus. This is the life that God called us to live. A life of joy, a life of peace, a life where we do not fear, where we are not worried, where we are not anxious, a life where we love everyone. This is the life. And how do we get there? Simply by being with him and asking him to come and, and give us everything that we need. It's actually that simple. God did it. He's done it. He'll do it again. All he's waiting for is you to be willing. Amen? Amen. Let's prepare to receive communion this morning. First Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered also to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. God, let us examine ourselves. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats or drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so as we prepare to take communion this morning, let's just take a moment and let's just take inventory. God, where have I not trusted you? God, where have I worried? Or where have I been fearful? Where did I not trust you, Lord? God, I want that joy that Pastor Matt speaks of. 
God, is there a place where I've run from a trial? God, I want your love to come and fill my heart. Are there any places in my heart where I won't let you in? Because we have them. God, are there any places in, your, in my heart where I won't let you in? Are there any deep, dark corners that I haven't given over to you, Lord? Where I haven't surrendered? Where, I've, where I haven't said, come and have your way? God, we pray that you would reveal to us right now those things, Lord. God, we come and we make an assessment of who we are. We do this, we take this bread in remembrance of you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. After supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is given for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we thank you that you forgive sins. You've forgiven our sins, that you've given us right standing with, the, with God once again. God, we thank you for the stripes upon your back that were for the healing of the saints, for our healing, Lord that you made provision. We thank you, Lord, that the cup of redemption overflows and there is more than enough, that every sin is forgiven, that every sickness is healed, that every oppression is delivered. God, we ask that you forgive our sins, that you heal our sicknesses, and that you deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I want to encourage you, grab some coffee with Jesus this week and allow Jesus to speak to your heart. These four things that I shared with you today, these are things that God gave me that I needed. It's what I needed. God knows you. It's very personal. He's, he's a very personal God. He knows exactly what you need. And if you'll just spend some time with him, he will speak to you exactly what you need to hear. He's actually a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> Next week, uh, we're going to have Lori Deverneau, uh, guest speaker, to join us for the Let's Grab Coffee series, so you don't want to miss that. Hope to see you guys all next week. Elizabeth, come receive the offering this morning.